Welcome to the Thanks Therapy Podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Hannah Lydon. And I am Dr. Emma Lydon, and this is our Therapy Appreciation Podcast, Thanks Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! For doing all you do! Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! Don't really know if you should go, you should give it a try, it could be good for you! So this is episode 13, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Unlucky for some. You don't know this, but before you printed the script, I changed the font size to 13. Oh, did you? I yeah. changed it to 12. Emma! Sorry. I always thought that would be like a fun Easter egg. Well, it was for- already like six pages, so. Yeah, maybe yeah. that 13 is quite big. Mm. Sorry. Um, that <laughs> would have been nice be to read, though, as well. Halloween trick. Yeah. Well, we were still super in the Halloween spirit. And it was all around. I mean, Halloween night was last night. Mm -hmm. The kids were dressed up, trick-or-treating. I was in a skeleton onesie. Did, were you? Mm Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about this at all. Yeah. I didn't know that you dressed up. That's cute. So Sam, who is already five foot nine at the age of 13, was in a bear costume, which made him clear six foot easily. (laughs) So Charlie was a little tiny Spider-Man. And... Um, Sam was this enormous bear that was going to the door trick-or-treating and I kept saying to the parents like he's 13 he's just really tall (laughs) Um, but I was in a skeleton onesie because I hate that thing of going around the doors with the kids trick-or-treating and you're just in your coat and you feel like a total loser so oh I I put a skeleton onesie on so that I felt a bit more in the spirit of things however I had a ridiculous cold, mm-hmm. which hit yesterday. And so I was cold and a bit miserable, but just kind of soldiering on through it for them, really. I was woman submitting assignments. Yeah. That was what my costume was, and it was kind of dull. Uh, yeah. I love Halloween, but I didn't really do anything. So this is our, we're making up for it. Yeah, we've done, this is our third vaguely Halloween-themed episode so we did our halloween episode what was that about um halloween (laughs) (laughs) oh it was about halloween Uh, it was about like scary things it was about why we why people love fear yeah Yeah. why like people like scare scaring themselves and that kind of thing (laughs) and then we did a little bonus episode which was just us telling our weird unexplained stories from the past so i hope you like that um, and then this one, uh, we wanted to talk about phobias because we felt it was relevant. It yeah. came up in discussion and we were like, yeah, it's a good direction to go with this. So we're talking about phobias. Yes. Not something I know really anything about, about apart from like, I have one phobia. Well, it's one of those weird things where I think people think they know about it. It seems quite straightforward, but I think there's a bit more to it yeah. than that. So first of all, I wanted to give the definition to just cover the basics. Mm-hmm. So phobias are a subtype of anxiety disorder. 
and they're defined by the persistent fear of an object or situation. So they're different from generalized anxiety disorder, obviously by their specific nature. So generalized anxiety disorder, you get anxious by a lot of situations. You feel anxious generally or just by thinking about things. Um, whereas a phobia, you're anxious about contact with a situation or thing. So I'm going to do the reading directly from Wikipedia this Yay. week, Hannah. <laughs> so phobias typically result in a rapid onset of fear and are present for more than six months. So that's the diagnostic criteria, essentially. So if it's shorter than six months, you're not going to meet a diagnosis. Right? Six months is, I think that's quite a long time. It's super short, actually, in the life of a phobia. Because PTSD diagnosis criteria is one month. Yeah. I've learned in university. Yay! Oh, cool. Yay. Yeah. And I thought that was short. Yeah, a trauma that. diagnosis. So acute trauma reaction is less than one month and, and post-traumatic stress disorder is greater than one month. But the thing about phobias is they're often lifelong. Yeah. They start yeah. in childhood. Okay, so um, those affected will go to great lengths to avoid the situation or object, to agree to a degree greater than the actual danger posed. So if the object or situation cannot be avoided, they experience significant distress. Symptoms can include fainting, which may occur in blood or injury phobia, and panic attacks, which are often found in agoraphobia. And around 75% of those with phobias have multiple phobias. So you have suffered from agoraphobia, Hannah, you've mentioned before on this podcast. I sure have. It's really fun. Um, yes, that's a relatively recent word that I'm comfortable using. Mm. Um, I'm quite lucky in that I have a really good therapist who quickly sort of spotted what was happening to me and continues to help me deal with that issue mm -hmm. um, as it arises. But I will talk in more depth about that later because it's more complex than I initially realized, mm. as you mentioned. Fun fact, I also have a phobia of lakes, swamps and large puddles. Right. But it doesn't like it doesn't really affect my life in any significant way because I'm not generally around those things. Mm. It just means I'm not going to visit Florida. Yeah, I didn't actually ever know that. Well, it's not doesn't come up like you don't say to me, do you want to come to the lake this weekend? And I and then I make up some excuse because I'm like, I can't tell anyone I have a lake phobia. It's so weird. And like, it doesn't really affect me, but it's more just if I think about them. Or see a photo of. Oh. Or if there's like, I was listening to a podcast and they were telling a story about um, people holidaying in a lake. And there's a lot of descriptions about like them walking into the lake mm -hmm. through the sediment and feeling the sediment on their toes. And it makes me want to like boke. Right. Okay. The, the thought of all that stuff. Um, I mean, we are going to the lake and, you know, next Easter. I, I didn't, what? I didn't even occur to me to that you would have a problem with this. We're going to uh, Fermanagh to... No, you're not going? I, I didn't realise it was a lake. Yeah, it's a lake. No. You I, know that we went to Canada when you were 18 months old and we stayed at a lake. Did I have a traumatic experience in the lake? Because that would reveal so much. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if you did. I mean, I found the lake... Um, slightly stressful as well because... So there was a jetty out into the lake, which meant that when you entered the lake, it was already quite deep, like you couldn't see the bottom or feel the bottom or anything else. Right. And so there's an unknown quantity then about what's beneath you, what's yes. beneath your feet. And so we would swim out to the surfboard, which was positioned out a good bit in the water. Um, 
And I remember something touching my foot once and screaming. Out of there. I'm, yeah. I'm out of there. I don't, uh, all of that seems bad. Well, look, I think this is going to come up a little bit later when we talk about the difference between a fear and a phobia as well, okay. because some of these things are, there's legitimate basis to the, to the feelings you're having. I thought having, you were you know? joking there when you were like, you know, we're going to the lake. No, that's the lake in Fermanagh where the <laughs> share centre is. I will stay ashore. Okay, cool. Um, so I wanted to tell you about um, what the Diagnostic Statistical Manual the DSM. Yeah, says about specific pho- phobias. So they distinguish between specific phobias, which is like a fear of spiders or a fear of heights, and then two categories of what they call general phobias. And social phobia is one of them, and agoraphobia is the other. So those are two separate things. Mm, yeah. Um, and specific phobias don't really respond to medication they only recognize treatment for them really is exposure therapy yeah um or hypnotherapy i think is sometimes used um but general phobias non-specific phobias agoraphobia and social phobia usually respond well to a combination of medication and therapy cool does that seem what you had expected it does seem what i had expected um <laughs> and <laughs> i am currently using a combination of medication and therapy to deal with my other problems mm. and it is effective there and agoraphobia is just like sort of in the general yes uh, tumbleweed that's rolling around my life that sounded more sad than it was meant to um, well i think the other thing is is that i think you wouldn't be alone in having developed agoraphobia during this pandemic i was gonna say like it's not really totally out there to have developed agoraphobia um but weirdly i don't think mine was anything to do with the pandemic Mm. like in all my treatment of it and like talking about it in therapy the pandemic she my therapist was kind of like and the pandemic and Uh i was kind of like not really yeah because i worked through it and i had actually had two jobs throughout it Mm. so i went everywhere all the time and it wasn't a thing. It was actually after restrictions were lifted that I had this experience. But mm. anyway, we'll, we'll get into it later. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Um, and then some statistics, Hannah. I yes, looked up please. a few statistics about phobias. So specific phobias, as we were talking about spiders, heights, lakes, <laughs> um, affect about 6 to 8% of people in the Western world and about 2 to 4 percent of people in Asia, Africa, Latin America in a given year. Um, social phobia affects about 7% of people in the United States. And weirdly, under 2.5% of people in the rest of the world. That is a big difference. It is, yeah. What's that about, social I'm, phobia I'm not in America? really sure. I mean, it could be uh, the level of research done. The difficulty oh. is it's it's always hard to know the exact reason for lower statistics mm. is it how the measurements are being taken or is it genuinely a lack of prevalence of this particular thing um and agoraphobia affects about 1.7 percent of people i was massively surprised about that i thought it would be slightly higher than that yeah me too uh women are affected by phobias about twice as often as men interesting and typically the onset of a phobia is around the ages of 10 to 17 and the rates are lower with increasing age. So that's why I was saying um, they're typically something that lasts a long time in your life. They're, yeah. They last yeah. a long time and they usually originate in childhood. I mean, social phobias, uh, 
would be, so agoraphobia would be about going out, leaving your house, open spaces, things like that. Social phobia is more about being in social situations. Interaction. Yeah, like public speaking, for example, you know, that kind of thing. Social phobic person would struggle with that very, very much. I've been learning about um, like differences in types of societies in my Mm -hmm. course. And this has made me think about, um, you know, the difference between like an individualist um, society and a collectivist. Yeah. And the States is very much an individualist. And then... Asia, Africa, Latin America, those would, well, not really Latin America. Well, I think there's more of a community nature to Latin American culture. Yeah. And they have um, a lower rate of specific phobias. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Well, we are going to talk a little bit about the origins of specific phobias, I think, because that's the one, the type of ones that people are fascinated by, I think, why Mm -hmm. people would be so scared of spiders or something like that. Um, And I think theorizing about the cause will interest you as a new psychology student Hannah yes it does so do you know about little Albert no so this is a famous um psychological experiment that was carried out before we really were super ethical about experiments (laughs) yeah before you had to go through ethical approval the unethical ones are really useful and they can be very interesting um and basically the understanding about the cause of phobias is that they're a product of conditioning. So basically this little baby, Albert, um, was conditioned to fear a white rat. Yeah. So he was given this white rat to play with and he was totally unafraid, just playing with the rat, which was running over his chubby little baby legs. <laughs> um, and there's like really old footage of this. Like I was going to say, footage is this like of, the 70s? It's before that. I wish I had a date now because just because I know this from my memory, I haven't actually got a date of this, but it's like the 40s or the 50s, I think. Oh, shit. Okay. Little Albert, yeah. Um, so then the experimenters began to introduce the rat to little Albert with a big, loud, scary noise at the same time. Oh, God. So this big, loud noise would startle the baby and the baby would cry. And then they did this. They paired the two stimuli together. Mm-hmm the rat and the noise at the same time for quite a while. And then they, after that, when they stopped making the noise and introduced the rat, Albert was scared of the rat. Yeah. So this is an example of classical conditioning. So um, you know about Pavlov and his dogs. His dogs, And the yes. bell and everything like that. So that's cl- classical conditioning. Classical di- conditioning is when an involuntary response is associated with a particular result. And operant conditioning is when a voluntary reaction or deliberate action is associated with a con- consequence. So like a dog sits and it gets a treat. Oh, okay. And the behavior is reinforced. Mm. Um, so in psychological experiments, when an adverse stimulus is paired with a neutral one, so like electric shocks, we love yeah, using electric shocks. electric shock <laughs> action in one of my textbooks. Yeah, we love that because it's like, it's harmless. It's, it's not fine. that bad. It's, it's just, just bad enough to be able to measure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if that's paired with a neutral stimulus, just like an empty room, the subject will be conditioned to fear the room, which okay. was previously neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so babies and rats, basically <laughs> psychologist bread and butter right there and electric shocks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then the idea is that some point in childhood, maybe something that should rationally be approached in a neutral way, like a spider, mm-hmm. becomes associated with a neg- negative stimulus. Right. Which, 
such that your brain cannot be rational about the amount of fear that should be elicited. And that's essentially why exposure works, because you're training out that conditioned response. And another way in which people or children can develop phobias is through observational learning. So if your parent is very scared of spiders and you observe that, you will likely be scared of spiders. And that's that's more commonly what I've seen in my life. I've observed people whose parent was scared of spiders and then they were scared of spiders or their yeah. parent was scared of bees and then they were scared of bees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. And it, that makes me, like, there must be a cultural aspect as well to these things because, yeah. like, when we're, for to use the example of spiders, when we're kids, we're told through, like, myth and fairy tale to associate spiders with creepy crawlies. Yeah. And you see them in, like, little cartoons of haunted houses, which is always a spider in the corner. Yeah. So does it, it makes you wonder about the distinction between... Are most people scared of spiders because we think we're supposed to be mm. because of messaging? Or is there actually some part of our like mammal brain that sees a spider and reacts with fear? Because probably in the days before like antibiotics, if you got bit by a spider, your leg would fall off and you would die. Oh, yeah. Most if likely. you didn't have an antivenom when the, if it was a poisonous spider. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't a problem for us in Ireland, but like we mm. are humans. And we yeah. probably do still have that instinct. I don't really know. This is wild speculation. <laughs> but I I also read somewhere as well that the silhouette of a spider is meant to alarm us because it reminds us of a scorpion. All oh, right, okay. Like the, the silhouette of it. Mm. Even, not even just like a full seeing one. But again, I'm I'm I hate spiders and I'm terrified of them. Really? Yeah. Are you not? No, I don't mind them at all. What the fuck? I'm basing my my whole, everything I'm saying here off the assumption that everyone's like, uh, spiders are horrible. No, I mean, I don't want a spider to be crawling on me, oh. but I don't mind. If it's on the floor, I'll just leave it alone. Like, <gasps> If there was a spider in here right now, I, we would need to stop and I would leave. I didn't know this. You are keeping all these spider lake fears very close to your chest. I don't broadcast them because I want people to think I'm really tough. <laughs> yeah. But, but, so, a bit working on that, like... Scorpions do not pose a threat to my Northern Irish life generally. So it mm. makes no sense that I'm scared of spiders. But when I see one, I have like a big jolt, freeze, react. So oh. that's definite like phobia territory. Mm. Yeah. And when I think about exposure therapy with them, I'm just like, no, leave my phobia untreated, please. Yeah. I mean, I think spiders is probably one of the most common ones. Yeah, for and sure. And also, I think it's one of the ones that... It probably, depending on how extreme it is, it probably doesn't need to affect your life too much. I think the difficulty is, is that when people go from just being like, I'm scared of spiders if I see one, to I can't sleep because I know there might be spiders in this house. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That 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 has then interfered with your life and your well-being and needs to be addressed probably. But if you're just like, yeah, I don't like spiders. If I see one, I go, oh, get that spider away. You know, there's a big, okay. massive spider that lives in one of the bins that I have to put stuff into and work. Uh-huh. And like he lives in there. Like yeah. I've seen him for a number of weeks. Uh-huh. And I've developed like a sort of leverage system uh-huh. for so that I don't actually have to touch the bin. Yeah. I take out a pull. I take out this the broom. Mm-hmm. I unlock the lid and then <laughs> and then open the bin lid with the broom so I'm far away from it and then I throw the bit the bin bag in uh-huh. and then run away 
Yeah. So I could, well, he'll be dead soon because they they don't live that long. He's th- he's massive and he's thriving in there because we put all our rubbish in there and he just probably eats it and like I think lives he life. Mostly eats other insects. He's eat, he, I, he's eating like he's probably eat birds, croissants, croissants, and drinking milk, eating patisserie. The spider. Yeah, he's fat. It's <laughs> <laughs> really well. He's good living. Anyway, I digress. I am also interested in how we define just being averse to something mm. um, versus actually having a phobia of it. Like phobia would suggest to me extreme and irrational fear well, to the point that it affects your functioning. Absolutely. Yes, you're totally right. Um, to meet the criteria for a phobia, there must be symptoms of impairment and avoidance. So mm-hmm. impairment is defined as being unable to complete routine tasks, whether those are your work or your studying or your social tasks. Um, in acrophobia, for example, and impair- if you were impaired in your, you couldn't climb a ladder to wash a window. So acrophobia heights? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, that's quite extreme. Yeah. You would not take a job solely because it was on the 10th floor of a building, for example. So that's an impairment. Or socially, you know, not participating in a social event at a theme park, you know, because it's, there's going to be a lot of heights. And the avoidance aspect is defined as behaviour that results in the emission of an averse event that would otherwise occur, intending to prevent anxiety. So not going out, not taking the job, not climbing the ladder. I recently read a thing about somebody who was so scared of heights that they couldn't like stand on a chair to change a light bulb. Oh, man. So it wasn't like just cliffs or in fact, but they were super scared about cliffs. Yeah. But they couldn't stand in a chair to change the light bulb. Um, and their family was going on holiday, but they were going to somewhere that was near cliffs and they just couldn't even think about going on this holiday because Shit. they just kept imagining cliffs all the time. You and know? you wouldn't be able to climb the steps to get onto the plane, presumably. Yeah, exactly. So phobias are different from fears because I am a bit scared of heights. Yeah. I don't really like heights. Um, I wouldn't go on Cargareed Rope Bridge, for example. I have no interest oh. in going on that on that bridge. To me, that's fun, like a fun, scary thrill. Mm. No, so I don't want to go on that. But um, if I had to go on it, I would just like put my big girl pants on and yeah. go across the bridge. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't really enjoy it. But it's not that I would like have a panic attack mm. or, yeah, yeah. you know, faint or lose functioning in some way. So I'm scared of heights, yeah. but I don't have a phobia of heights. And like, it makes sense to be scared of heights because they're dangerous. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that as well. So, you know, spiders and um, snakes and heights and needles even potentially. There's there's certain things that from an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense that we would have fears of them. Yeah, big time. And that's... You know, that's normal. It's natural. If I saw a tiger, I would be super scared. If the tiger was in this living room right now, <laughs> Hannah, I would be concerned. I would be concerned. And also my secondary emotion would be like, what? Why? <laughs> Where and did the tiger come from? From whence? It's cold here. Like, I don't know. But yeah, so, um, you know, fear is a normal thing. It's The problem is, is when the avoidance and the impairment become significant enough that your life is affected and yeah. that's when it becomes a phobia um i looked up some weird phobias do you want to hear them yeah, yeah i won't yeah. be able to pronounce them all that's right fine. actually i'm going to leave the most difficult to pronounce one to the end 
Okay, so uh, nomophobia, fear of being without your mobile phone. <laughs> Arithmophobia, fear of numbers. I, I mean, have that. I think we have that. Yeah, totally. Plutophobia, fear of money. Luckily for me, I have that because <laughs> my lifestyle allows for it. Uh, xanthophobia, fear of the color yellow. I mean, that's got to be difficult. Oh, like gonna, the sun's yellow. Um, a blutophobia, fear of bathing, which is going to be a stinking one. That's social implications for your life. Yeah, and here, all right, I'm going to try this, okay? Arachibuterophobia. Arachibuterophobia, fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Valid, because that sucks. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I think that some of these might be rooted in a different fear. So the arachibuterophobia might be to do with choking. Choking, yeah. So that sensation might make people freak out and they were like, oh no, I can't eat peanut butter because I have a real fear of it sticking to the roof of my mouth. Um, I mean, arithmophobia doesn't have the same evolutionary. It could be <laughs> fear of numbers because you don't understand them and you associate that with like academic failure. Or confusion or something yeah. like that. That's, yeah. I mean, I feel that. Yeah. But basically, the the cause of phobias is maybe not as clear cut as at first glance. Um, so the treatment of it might not be as straightforward. For example, there was one stat- study carried out by um, Lars Goran Ost and Kenneth Hugdal. <laughs> so I presume in some sort of Nordic country. Yeah. Um, and they tried to investigate the ways in which phobic patients specific people with specific phobias acquired their phobias. Mm-hmm. Um, so the results showed that a large majority of the patients attributed their phobias to conditioning experiences. So, you know, I was a baby and somebody poured a load of spiders into the bath. <laughs> <laughs> Any phobics listening are going to be like, oh my God, shut up. That's Stop horrific. talking about spiders. Yeah. Um, and well, 17% recalled vicarious experiences so seeing someone be scared of something. Yeah. Um, 10% instructions or information, be scared of spiders. Yeah. Spiders are Stay dangerous. Spiders. And 15% could not recall any specific onset circumstances. So there's two ways to interpret that. Um, one is that it happened before their conscious awareness. So yeah. maybe, you know, you were with us at the lake and nobody was paying enough attention to you <laughs> and you were like creeped out by the silty stuff or something. Yeah. Were you one of the children that didn't like having their hands dirty? Yeah, I still don't like that. Oh, yeah. So you were always coming to me going, Help. with your little hand. Your little fat hand covered in c- something, get trying to get it clean. Yeah, nothing changes. That still happens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to wash your hands for you now. <laughs> Go, what's wrong? You got something on your hand. Um, so it could be that they don't remember the, how they acquired the phobia, or it could be that there's another way of acquiring a phobia that we haven't yet, um, you know, become aware of. So there was no clear cut relationship between the ways of acquisition and the anxiety components. Okay. Some interesting trends did emerge in the data showing that animal phobics who recalled conditioning experiences to a larger extent also responded physiologically so they had heart rate increased sweating right um right. uh maybe fainted 
something like that. Um, for patients with indirect onset experiences for all three types of phobias, um, the reverse was true. So they responded to a larger extent in a cognitive or subjective way rather than with an increased physiological arousal. Right. So how you how they got, oh, it's a winged spider. Oh, Jesus. A daddy long legs has entered the room <sighs> as if, and it's also very troubled that daddy long legs two of its legs be... are stuck together oh jesus christ i wafted it with my arm really aggressively so um the other day charlie went went into the kitchen the other evening charlie went into the kitchen to get something to eat and came back and said there was giant flying spiders in the kitchen oh my god <laughs> so i was like what i've got to see this what he meant was daddy long legs of course Oh, thank God. I don't I mean, if I had kids and my kid came into me and said that, I would be like, <laughs> quick, get everything, run. We need to leave. <laughs> Throw on a petrol bomb into the house as she run out the door. <laughs> um, that is fascinating to me about the physiological arousal thing, uh-huh. because the cognitive subjective. What does cognitive subjective mean? Exactly. So that is... Um, your part you know your internal thoughts about it right just basically yeah your that's what makes you your feel, personal feel individual thoughts yeah okay interesting this leads me on to my the section i'm going to call hannah volunteers extremely in personal information for this podcast okay i thought it would be useful for me to talk about my recent realization that i have agoraphobia uh-huh um, first, let me give you some information about agoraphobia. This is from healthline.com. Okay. People with agoraphobia tend to be afraid of leaving their home for extended periods of time, afraid of being alone in an unfamiliar social situation, mm-hmm. afraid of losing control in a public place, afraid of being in places where it would be difficult to escape, such as a car or a lift, anxious or agitated and detached and or estranged from others. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you eyebrows because I thought you might give me eyebrows. Well, I wouldn't even <laughs> dream of giving you eyebrows ever. I can't help but read some of those and just think of myself. Mm. Um, and here's some of the physical symptoms. Chest pain or rapid heart rate, fear or a shaky feeling, mm-hmm. hyperventilation or troubled breathing, lightheadedness or dizziness, sudden chills or flushing as in red hot face, excessive sweating. Mm-hmm. So pretty unpleasant. Not fun at all. I get all of those symptoms. Ah, right. And okay. I only recently, re- apart from chills, actually, um, and I only recently realized that is not a normal social anxiety reaction. Oh, it's right. something more. Yeah. And it was only through therapy. Mm. Um, so the main reason I'm going to go into detail and in talking about my experience with it is because before this year, when someone, this is the first time someone actually said the word agoraphobia to me, mm-hmm. I had just assumed I was experiencing like regular old social anxiety that everyone yes, has. we all have, yeah. Um, and it's only because of therapy that I've been able to like understand more about it and work on it successfully. Because um, I was talking about going into therapy and describing specific experiences I was having of being fully dressed and ready to go out somewhere and then having sudden physical symptoms, onset of panic, mm-hmm. like literally as my hand hits the door handle and and just cancelling plans and not being able to go, which is quite extreme mm-hmm. and also really pisses people off because they're like, we are waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you suddenly not coming? Um, or doing things like 
if I did make it out somewhere, deliberately taking a really long route walking somewhere in order to be less visible. Yeah. Which is very significant and more significant than I had been allowing myself to realize, right? Yeah. And I think I should say as well, when the word agoraphobia was first mentioned to me in therapy, my impulse was to dismiss it. Mm -hmm. Because the picture that came into my head when I heard that word was literally like, stock image of a big open meadow uh -huh. with the trees and grass and then a stock image of a woman open white screaming <laughs> in fear <laughs> looking at the meadow which you, is you maimed it instantly yeah I was like well I don't have that I'm not scared of fields and beautiful open meadows yeah. that's ridiculous um and that's obviously not an accurate representation no. of what agoraphobia is but here's the thing I'm only able to do any of this reflection and even talk about it because it was quite difficult up until recently because mm -hmm. of therapy. Yeah. Because in my mind, earlier this year, I was having like a weird time generally, which weren't we all. And this one specific incident made me go into a sort of hermit mode existence. Mm -hmm. I remember you texting me specifically being like, what's going on? <laughs> you are not around anymore. Mm. Um, and that was happening a lot. Um, and I was like, what the hell is this? This is 100% new. This has never happened before. It must be a novel issue. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I went to therapy and my therapist was like, um, girl, is this really a new problem? Or have you described this before happening, but in less extreme terms? Yeah. And you're only now noticing it because it's become debilitating and it yeah. had become debilitating. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay, points, points are being made here. And actually what I've thought since... Is I've since realized that probably since adolescence, I have thought was just social awkwardness suddenly blossomed massively into agoraphobia. Mm -hmm. And I say blossomed because in becoming so extreme that I couldn't really ignore it anymore, yeah. which I had been doing, it basically demanded itself to be dealt with. So I hope that makes sense. It does. The final point I will make about this is since is that since learning the term agoraphobia is applicable to me and I'm not being overdramatic in mm -hmm. describing myself of that whenever I feel the onset of it I am better equipped to notice it yes confront it remember my therapist being super nice and chill about it and being like it's not dramatic to say that you're having that and it seems to have taken some of the charge out of it yeah I can now just be like well I have that sometimes and it sucks when it happens but it's not that there's um some massive thing wrong with me no. It's just this experience, which is unfortunate. Mm. Therapy. Yeah, we love Therapy. it. That's very, that's really great and very successful experience of that. I mean, you know, obviously I wish it had never happened to you, but I do agree that there are positives in this in that you can address them. You can address the thing that is maybe kind of always there in the background, you know, when it actually becomes a bigger problem yeah then you go right I have to tackle this now yeah, I'm not yeah. just going to keep putting it to the back of my mind and not addressing it yeah for sure well speaking of therapy because we were were we were we speaking of therapy we uh, sometimes talk I about think it. so yeah, yes. yeah um if we turn to psychoanalytic theory for a bit can we please because we've been firmly in the psychological behavioral realm so far I think in terms of the explanations for phobias and the treatment for phobias yeah I mean Really, exposure therapy is one of the main treatments for um, specific phobias. However, Freud famously wrote obsessions and phobias, and he wrote a lot about phobias and puzzled over them for years. Um, and psychoanalytic theory, as you might imagine, posits that phobias 
could be pregnant with deeper meaning. Ooh. And there could be some hidden symbolism that one has repressed or forgotten. So from a psychoanalytic perspective, we're always looking for what things mean, um, which a per- person is not aware. So yeah. why would you fear X? Why would some people fear a harmless insect or other people fear the dark? So psychoanalytic perspectives propose that phobias may develop from the complexity and challenges of the human experience, which can result in conflicts, complexes and traumas. Shit. So specifically, Freud's psychoanalytic theory of phobias suggests that people have unconscious impulses or thoughts that cause conflict between the three parts of the human personality or psyche. So the id, the superego and the ego. ego. So the id is the primitive instinctive part of the mind that consists of all the inherited components of the personality. Mm -hmm. It functions quite chaotically, but like a child. (laughs) The superego composes morals and values learned from parents and others. It passes judgments and introduces sort of the higher order feelings such as shame and guilt. And then the ego is the conscious waking part of the mind responsible for making decisions based on what's acceptable and consistent with societal expectations. So it acts as a moderator between the id and the superego. Cool. Okay? And when they're at odds, the ego attempts to moderate the conflicting goals by using several coping and defense mechanisms, including repression and displacement. Thanks very much, ego. <laughs> <laughs> You're causing a lot of our problems. <laughs> so repression involves... Like blocking a threatening memory or idea or event from consciousness. Oh. And thoughts that are repressed are typically associated with shame. Hello, shame. You're back to the hey. podcast again, are you? Love shame, and guilt shame. and anger. Um, and displacement is an unconscious defense mechanism where the anxiety of, a repre- of repressing a memory, idea or event is projected onto another object or situation like spiders or snakes. Okay. Or something even weirder. I heard about somebody being having a phobia of cotton balls. Mm-hmm. I've heard about this more than once actually. Yeah, I have as well. Um and so this can result in a specific phobia, which in most cases may feel less threatening to deal with than the actual repressed thought or conflict. That's fascinating. Yeah. The cotton balls one, it's so easy to get like armchair uh, analyst with this because yeah. like if you think about like what associations could arise with cotton balls, like it could be someone's first vaccines or something. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a kid yeah. and you get vaccines and you're scared as fuck because you're like, excuse me, don't do not do this. And they put a little cotton ball on your mm-hmm. cotton ball on your thigh, uh, yeah. thigh or whatever. So maybe that's just the, the displaced totally. fear there is like being taken into a room with strangers and being hurt. Yeah. Which is, you know, fair enough. Nobody likes that. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if people have noticed, but I tend to be I'm I'm not it's not that I'm on the fence, but I'm quite open minded about the explanations for things. And I feel like all the information we have is useful. Um and maybe rather than us feeling that, you know, the behavioral explanation is that it's conditioning. Yeah. It's conditioning. So you see a spider, your mother screams or, you know, um, you get jabbed by a needle, needle, there's pain. You know, it's a, it's an association with a fearful response that means your amygdala goes, this is a bad thing. I yeah. don't like it. Get out of here. And therefore, the 
reverse conditioning can get you to stop fearing the spider. Mm-hmm. So exposing yourself to spider while being safe, comforted um, environment means that you can be conditioned out of that fear. And then psychoanalysis says, yes, but there's maybe something else about that. Yeah. There's maybe something more complicated about why we fear the spider or why we fear the needle that is um, not just about the conditioning, but is also about what we're repressing about that. What was more unpleasant about that that we can't even actually look at. So it's easier for us to be scared of, irrationally scared, scared of heights or irrationally scared of insects or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I find all of those things interesting, even though they're they're conflicting theories, I think. Well, I guess it just comes down to like an individual basis. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is go to, go therapy. to therapy. We don't have a problem this week. <gasps> it's shocking to me. So, I did put out the call to well, you asking know, for it. We've you know? had a whole time of it's been the half term thing has happened. Yeah. And other interruptions i had exams i still have assignments i'm being quite dramatic about them but she isn't at all she's just working really hard i'm working really hard but i'm also making sure to be like i'm so exhausted <laughs> like nobody's ever been this tired but actually it's going pretty well but in place of a problem because we have been like slightly off the grid mm. because of all those factors I was just going to read from my dream journal. <laughs> this is exciting to me. I love this as well. This one is pretty, there's, there's quite a lot of different sections. Okay. So I've tried to skim it down just to make it um, less extremely long. Okay. So this is a dream I had maybe last week. Right. In fact, do you know what? My dream last night was about spiders. Oh. And one of the spiders, do you remember those little small skateboards that used to play with with your fingers? Yeah, yeah, Charlie still has some of those fingerboards. Fingerboards? One of the spiders had that for a body (laughs) and I was furious about this because I was like, I previously liked those little skateboard toys. Anyway, that just came back to me there all in a rush. the fact that you took it personally and were raging. (sighs) I was furious in the dream. I was like, fuck you, man, can't let us have anything. (laughs) So, uh... I'll just stay with that by myself. So this is my dream from last week. So I had to teach a class and there was an active shooter. We all walked down to the exit of the school to evacuate, but she was there saying, I'll shoot. So we got under a big table and I tried to protect all the kids by covering them with my body. But then the shooter made us all get up. She was called Bathilda Bagshot, like from Harry Potter. Right. But actually she was from Texas. Okay. Um, she made my friend, who was my teaching assistant, go down a really tall water slide with no water on it. So she got all burned. <gasps> and I was trying to cover all the children's eyes from seeing this. Then she threatened to inject the children with meth. And I challenged her and said, what's the plan? You're just making this up as you go along. Eventually, we escaped by distracting her in all the water slides. And she got stuck around one of the corners. <gasps> then I, things moved on. I was on a ship with gorgeous ornate tiling and I was holding my camera up to take photos. The tiles were red with gold oblongs, pale pink squares with light blue trim. Then uh, the boat arrived outside a famous club. I went inside and I kissed Lindsay Lohan. Wow. And that was the full dream. So um, real real range there. There is quite think? a range. I'm, I think your brain is very active at the minute. My dreams are super... There's a lot going on. Like I have an entry like that for every night for about two weeks. <gasps> oh, wow. Okay. Shit is happening in there. I just hope it's all taking care of itself. There's one, I think I sent you this one, but there's one in here where I've done a drawing. 
Yes, you did a drawing of the whole, all the buses in a, in a <laughs> large gap or something. A big arch that has been built by weather scientists and they experiment, but they had put too many cars and buses in the weather arch and it had created a snow vortex that was threatened to take over the city. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but I do really just think that your brain is so active. There's so much going on That when there. you go to sleep, it's like, okay, <laughs> time to go. Let's go. Snow vortex, Fuck active it. shooter. He's up first, there's like a guy with a clipboard who's really stressed. <laughs> what I think is, so what I like about the active, because obviously an active shooter dream, I mean, were you scared? Do you remember being scared? Yeah, I was really scared. So you're really I'm, scared. I remember thinking like, oh my God, this woman is a bitch, the yeah. shooter. She was being a bitch. It's a terrifying situation, but then... um she forces somebody to go down a water slide with no water in it, which is so ridiculous. It's like, so silly, but actually that was scary because mm. there was a, there was a suggestion that the person's skin would have become ripped off. Okay, so it's desperately it's real body threatening situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever I used to interpret dreams for people, basically what I would do is I would say, "That's an anxiety dream. That's a fantasy dream." <laughs> Actually, what I did. None of these things. I don't think it's any of those things. I think well, it's just a big mishmash of symbolism. If it's if it's if you're scared, it's an anxiety dream. Oh, so right, okay. If you've got fear and it's a threatening situation, it's essentially broadly falls into the category of anxiety dream, and that's okay. you know like that's the start of the interpretation. I can't do any further steps in the interpretation, unfortunately. Well, I just think I think I associate anxiety dreams with being. They are just terrible the whole way through. Mm. And you're, you know, those ones, I get ones where I'm like in work trying to make a coffee, but like the counter's really high or the buttons on the coffee machine don't work. And mm. I'm just, I'm in it being like, come on, like this is a bit yeah, straightforward. And also being bored in it, being like, this is so stressful. I can't wait to wake up from this or have another dream. Sometimes I have extremely boring dreams that are like, so- I had a dream where I went to the supermarket with Charlie. <laughs> And we got shopping. And I just went through the aisles. Was like, oh, we have to get Cheerios. And <laughs> were you in it, being like, this is dull? At one point, I was like, why are you dreaming about this? It's really boring. That's. I mean, maybe that's a good sign. Who knows? But the thing is, this dream kind of turned. It all turned around pretty well. Like mm-hmm. I escaped. She was. Tra- she was threatening to inject children with meth. Yeah. That's also really creepy That's and scary. So scary. I remember being really scared at that point. And then I said, What's the plan? You're just making this up as you go along. Yes, yeah, so so you maybe challenged I was her. Trying to change the narrative of the dream because I was like, This is fucking horrible. Let's get out of here. And then I mm. went to a gorgeous um, cruise ship. Yeah, with very beautiful tiles. The tiles were amazing. I was taking photos. And then, yeah, I kissed Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, which is always oh, exciting. That's really nice. I love Lindsay Lohan. Do you love Lindsay Lohan? Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. yeah. I think well, she's the, so that's a fantasy dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's culturally re- very relevant to me because of my age. Yeah, she's she was a looming pop culture figure, right? Okay, in the way that like previous generations had Marilyn Monroe, I I think she's that significant. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so Lady Gaga to me then. Yeah, she's, yeah. yeah. Okay, They're not cool. that far apart, but yeah. But Lindsay's also sort of troubled, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, did you go straight from the active shooter dream to the ship 
sea yeah. voyage, as you put it to me. When yeah. Hannah previously sent me these a screenshot of these dreams. Oh, the sea voyage was a different one. Oh, right, okay. I was a guide for someone on a sea voyage. <laughs> yes. Um, so I do feel like I want to just reciprocate with um, a, the, a the strangest dream that I can recall. Recently? It's actually not that recent and you have heard it. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like since I'm really crap at interpreting the dream, I can't offer any anything in the way of interpreting your dream. Um, I will offer you a strange dream in return. That's fine. Okay. I didn't want you to interpret that because I know what it's about. Oh, do you? Yeah. Sure, the dream, I think... They say the dream interpretation has to be done by the dreamer. Really? Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's things in that will have massive significance to me that of you... Of course, yeah, couldn't possibly like, know. Like, yeah. you don't know how much I love Lindsay Lohan. I didn't know that until this very moment. I can't believe we haven't talked about that. Anyway, no. tell me your one. Have you read that famous article that Zach shared yes. about... Yes. Yes, an amazing it's article. It's incredible. Yeah. I think I have it bookmarked. Okay, um... So I have told you this dream before, but the listeners will not have heard it. And I actually did mention to somebody on Instagram once who had sent us a message about loving the dreams. <laughs> um, I said, oh, yeah, wait to hear this one. So um, we were at my parents' house. It was nighttime and there was a malevolent entity oh my God. in the house. So this again, this is one that was scary. So we knew there was this malevolent entity and it was in the walls and you know that kind of classic poltergeist thing in the films where the walls bulge out like as if they're made of material (sighs) and it was guiding along the walls and we knew it was there but we didn't know what to do about it and we were all scared and we regularly gather at my parents house so it wasn't unusual we were all there we were mostly in the living room and stuff like that so then we saw something moving in the hallway and we realized that it was a gorilla, like a big black gorilla. Oh, my God. Like silver back size, but really dark in color. Then we realized it was a gorilla suit. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> and then we saw it go into the cloakroom. No. So we knew that the entity was in the gorilla costume. But we were kind of like, now it's got a physical form. We can do something about this. So my dad went to the living room door so we were all like dad you know and so he was going to do something about it now my dad is 85 (laughs) but he's always been the strong you know he's he's been this defender of the family so I think it would be assumed that he would have been the one challenging this gorilla suit filled with the malevolent entity so he went to the living room door which is just beside the cloakroom door and the cloakroom opened and this gorilla suit came out and he like took pu- pushed the head of the gorilla suit and it opened and it was empty but it was still moving and that Ew. was the creepiest part so there was nothing physically in it but the gorilla suit was still moving that's scary it was scary and he like st- dad staggered back and went I just need a minute to process this I just need a minute <laughs> to process it like that like he just couldn't believe what he was saying and it, it shocked him so much and then I was really worried he was going to have a heart attack oh my god um, and then the gorilla suit went out the front door and we were like, that's it, we've solved it. It's the only, there was like a little um, post credit scene to this dream. So we were all calmed down. We're like, it's gone out of the house. And then I was sitting outside the house in the dark beside a skip mm-hmm. and the entity walked past and it was kind of looked like a human man, um, like a quite an ordinary looking 
man in his maybe in his forties, and he was wearing a, like you know those type of zoot suits, so yeah, completely yeah. skin tight suit, but it was made out of the invisibility material from Harry Potter's invisibility cloak. Ooh. So that's why he was kind of he was invisible. Oh, but so I was like, he said, I was just messing with you guys like that as he walked past. So what do you think that means, Hannah? So there was a bad guy inside an invisibility costume, inside a disguise. Yeah. Inside the walls of the house. Yeah. Concealment. Ooh. What do you think that's about? Oh my God, you're so good at this. But I mean, I'm not, the, but it's meaningless for me to say that because you know, need yeah. to, it has to come from you. Yeah, well, I mean, sure, there's lots of stuff that I could say about concealment in our family, but um, like, for example, um, mum did that comedy thing where she stepped on a rake and smashed her oh head yeah. with the thing. This and is in real life, to clarify. In this real life. A dream. She smashed her head and she had two massive black eyes and Hannah said, don't tell Emma. Yeah, because I predicted you would freak out. Was I correct? No, I didn't freak out. Did I don't you know why you think I'd freak out. I wasn't there. But interestingly, being... Hannah, that is has happened throughout my life. As people have said, <laughs> don't tell Emma. Because I was the youngest, you know, I was often too young to know the information that they were oh. sort of withholding. But it's because you're you're protective I'm of everyone. I'm protective, yeah. But even today, like, we gave the dog chicken when you weren't, you left the dog in our car and we gave him chicken. And I That's was like, okay. your mom's going to freak out when she learns you had chicken. <laughs> and he looked at me with the dog look like, she said, give me the what? chicken, shut up about and it. he's still saying chicken. So <laughs> maybe, I don't know, but it's because you're protective. I'm like, oh my God, don't let her know that. It's like when I tell you I haven't had lunch mm. and you're like, Hannah. Because yeah. you know that I need to eat regular meals like any human. Yes, I, I know that you're a human with a body <laughs> that needs fuel. Yes, I knew about that. And I know that as well, but still I defy you. Yeah, so that's interesting. I've got, I'm going to have to go away and think about that now. Um, Bring that to therapy. Sometimes I do wonder if our listeners are like, they, they don't know what their dreams mean. It's clear that she needs to eat more sausages and, you know... <laughs> She's been running too much and her left foot is clearly sore. I have, I think it's clear from mine that I have uh, anxiety in yeah. quite a lot of different facets. Don't we all, babes? We all have anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to not have anxiety for babes, two listen, minutes. Don't talk to me about anxiety. <laughs> um, so... But this has been really weirdly chaotic episode, I feel like. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's just because we didn't have a problem. It felt like we were a bit lost. And then yeah. dreams are always just weird, I think, to share because <laughs> it makes you sound like you're crazy. But we all have crazy <laughs> dreams, every one of us. I love it. I I regret that I didn't write my skateboard spider's dream down from last night. Yeah. Because it means I'm not going to be able to remember it. Whereas that one was one that I had like last What's that? The 26th? That's ages ago. That's like last Monday. So this is the key. Yes, the key is to write them down. This I, is what I'm saying. You're probably having as much, as many dreams with as much stuff happening in them as I am, but you you don't wake up and immediately write them down. Well, sometimes, sometimes I've like got one eye open and I'm like, oh, I have to, I have to get this written down and then I go oh, back wow. to sleep. Okay. No, I don't ever do that. Um... 
But I remembered that shopping dream. So <laughs> Sorry, pretty, it was pretty really wild. Pretty good one. <laughs> Went shopping. <laughs> so um, thanks very much for listening. Um, I did want to say it's been two and a half months since we launched. Launched? <laughs> Is it only two and a half months? Two and a half months since we launched. Feels like much and, longer. Um, it feels like a lot longer because a lot of stuff has happened in our life. We thought, let's... When we had less to do, do you remember, we decided to start a podcast. Yeah. And then we still thought it was a good idea, despite having several things to do. I have minimum two jobs at any one time. Yep, yep, yeah. So it has Same, been a, actually, a I crazy, yeah, it's been Ugh. quite a busy time. Um, but we're still at it because we really love it. It's fun. It we really fun. love doing this, so... We're going to keep going, especially as long as you guys are listening. Um, rate, subscribe and do other things. Share. Add it to your playlists. Apparently that's good. Yeah. I don't really I don't know how have, that works. I, occasionally I have a podcast playlist if I'm going out for a walk and I'm listening to a couple of short podcasts. That's. I only listen to our podcast. <laughs> it's the only podcast I listen to. Um, That's not true. <laughs> And please do write in with your uh, problems. Please, because you can make them up if you want. If you don't want to hear any more random dreams, mm. I'm just looking through all the notes on my phone now. Um, so if getting you don't, more and more concerned as she goes. This one just says <laughs> spicy pink stick it. <laughs> What's that mean? That's your new band name, Spicy Pink Stick It. That's from the 25th of the 9th. I don't know. Brilliant. Um, so my point is, if you don't want to hear more of my phone notes app, write in your problems. <laughs> okay. And in the meantime, thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, thanks therapy. therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes good in the end, Hans. <laughs> That's the thing to remember, no matter how hysterical you feel now. <laughs> <laughs> we can wrong? edit it. <sighs> I had all that sugar. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, I drank all that vanilla Coke. It's sugar-free, darling. Mm, something in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Okay. Do you want to be on our podcast? Come and you say hello. Be the best Just guest for our podcast ever. Uh-oh. Come and say. Come and say <laughs> thanks, therapy. No. Oh, please. No. Because you know I would use that in an advertisement. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to distract, do you see? <clears throat> okay, we're really professional people. We're professionals. We're so professional though, so.